This podcast was recorded Thursday, November 17th at 10.35 a.m. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Yeah, like the New York Post will like Donald Trump again. Yeah, the Rupert Murdoch paper has been tough on him lately. For Trump's presidential campaign event, the front page headline read, Florida man makes announcement. See page 26. Page 26. That's pretty cold, but the, the Post never completely forsake Donald Trump anyway. It won't happen. Let's talk politics. This is Snollygoster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those Snollygosters or all those shrewd politicians racing to get laws passed during lame duck sessions. I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson. Coming up in the podcast, Democrats win big on the State Board of Education, but Republicans may take its power away. But first... It's the most wonderful time of the year. It is the most wonderful time of the year. No, not when radio stations switch to Christmas music, but the lame duck session in the state house. Lots going on this week. State Rep Cindy Abrams pushed a bill trying to stop distracted driving. Offenders will be required to pay a fine of $150, or they may elect to go to a distracted driving course instead of paying the first fine. Nikki Klum with the Office of Ohio Public Defenders argued against a bill to increase penalties for so-called swatting. That's when you call 911 to cause a panic. Creating statutes that are just slightly different, that creates a different situation where now they're stacking charges and it becomes a very coercive atmosphere for the defendant. And Jeopardy! champ Amy Schneider argued against a bill requiring counseling for minors seeking gender-affirming care. I knew that the lives of children were at risk. Uh, Lives of children that I know personally were at risk because gender-affirming health care for trans people saves lives. So many bills, so many important issues, so little time to consider them all before they become law. It's anything but lame. And joining us today to talk about the lame duck session is Ohio Public Radio's State House correspondent, Andy Chow. Andy, I hope you have a Christmas sweater on. I know it's early, but welcome to Snollygoster. (laughs) Hey, thanks for having me. So, Andy, set the scene for us. The state house has been largely vacant for months, right? There is the summer break, then election season. Now it's brimming with activity. Is it um, is it night and day compared to a month ago? Oh, you know what? I was getting lonely roaming the halls of the state house all alone. Uh, it was just me and a couple of other people, the state house troopers. But the lawmakers were out there either running for re-election or planning whatever they were going to do after they were term limited. But now they are back in full force. It's nice to see you know, life back in the state house again, uh, seeing people, you know, trying to push for the policies that they want to push. And and uh, it's definitely very busy right now and surprisingly busy. Usually we see a little lull after the election and, and until after Thanksgiving, but they, they hit the ground running. There are limited sessions. They can't get to everything. How do lawmakers pick the bills they want to pass? It really depends on what uh, the Republicans say in their caucus meetings. For all the things that are streamed and all the meetings that are public, the one thing that's not public are those caucus meetings where the members of the House and the Senate from the Democratic side and the Republican side, they sit in their rooms and decide what they want to pass. And so really the big conversations over the course of this week have been with Speaker Cup and Senate President Matt Huffman and saying, hey, what are you hearing in these caucus meetings? What are 
the big bills that you intend to push forward between now and the end of the year? You know, the word snollygoster means a, a shrewd politician, and the lame duck session is really snollygostering at its heart. Uh, what seems to be the biggest priority? I don't know if you could choose one or, or choose a couple, but what is really standing out to you right now? Well, there, there are issues that sort of fall into two buckets, I would say. There are those hot-button, controversial issues, and then there are the ones that sort of don't get a lot of attention but do change a lot of policy in regards to appropriations, in regards to you know which organizations get which money. We, we tend to call these Christmas tree bills where everybody wants to hang their issue or their appropriation onto the tree uh, before Christmas time. And so they kind of fall into those categories. So into the controversial side of things, there are lawmakers who are still talking about a total ban on abortion and the possibility of that passing before the end of the year. And then there are bills, as you heard Amy Schneider talk about, or as you mentioned Amy Schneider talk about, uh, a bill that would ban doctors from performing gender-affirming care for minors, and then another bill that could ban trans athletes from participating on girls' sports teams. So that's on the hot-button, controversial side. Then there are these other issues, such as the possibility of rebasing nursing homes. So this is the kind of the amount of money that the state reimburses nursing homes for the services that they provide. And then we're also looking at things that on the criminal justice side, like a ban on texting and driving and heavier penalties for something called swatting when somebody calls in a fake emergency such as a school shooting hoax in order to drum up a lot of attention and induce panic. So those are some of the bills that are still being considered here at the state house. Let's look at the abortion issue first. You know, the uh, heartbeat, so-called heartbeat law went into effect soon after the Dobbs decision came down. And then fairly recently, a, a judge in the Cincinnati area ruled the six-week ban, essential six-week, essentially a six-week ban, unconstitutional. So the law is on hold right now. Clinics are providing abortions up to 20, 22 weeks here in Ohio. So there seemed to be some urgency in the part of abortion rights opponents to either clarify or just pass an outright abortion ban with few restrictions. How realistic is that? going to happen? How, how realistic is it that that's going to happen before the end of this session? Well, what we're really trying to figure out is what was the narrative, what is the narrative now compared to what the narrative was before the election? It was pretty heightened from Republicans before the election when you, you heard people saying, yeah, we're going to go for an all out ban. And then they got kind of quiet right before the election, wondering if maybe that would turn off some moderates. And now we're trying to figure out what the next step is. You do have somebody like Senate President Matt Huffman, a Republican, who's been talking less about a total abortion ban and more about cleaning up the language in that so-called heartbeat bill to explain what the restrictions are and what the exceptions are. But you still have the further right members of the Republican caucus in the Ohio House who have been pushing for a total ban on abortion. I think the, the big question is, what is the sense of urgency there as this law is already tied up in uh, county court, expected to go to the Ohio Supreme Court, and what sort of moves should policymakers be making at this time when you consider that the Republicans will likely have a 
super, super majority in the Ohio House with yeah. 68 seats of 99 seats. They could just wait till next year yeah. and, and pass a bill that way. Wait, you look at the election results. Mike DeWine won by 26 points, unabashedly an opponent of abortion rights. J.D. Vance, he, he, he kind of late in the campaign said he would support, you know, that 15 week ban that Lindsey Graham threw out there for a national uh, law. But you have to say that the anti-abortion rights candidates won easily, top to bottom, except perhaps in, con in the congressional races. So the lawmakers, they can say, look, voters had a chance in November. They chose so-called pro-life candidates. We can pass tougher restrictions. I think at this point, and you're totally right. Yeah, these are these are candidates who have been known for their staunch stance against abortion. And so I think what they might be considering now is the long game when it comes to new court challenges. Do they wait until this current challenge plays out and then pass another bill, or do they pass a new abortion ban now in order to maybe stack the deck against whatever court challenge might be out there? So I think that's part of the strategy. And again, there's also the thought of why why rush it this year when it's clear that it can pass next year. That's actually how the so-called abortion bill ended up passing last time around was when it was uh, vetoed by Governor Kasich, but then they knew that Governor Mike DeWine was about to take office and they could pass it easily in the next session. Yeah, and voters in Michigan and Vermont and maybe elsewhere, when this is a standalone issue, they're, they're, they tend to be... Uh, pro-abortion rights, at least in, you know, in states like Michigan and, from, and, and maybe even Montana. I, I, I don't know exactly what happened to Montana, but that was on the ballot there. Kansas. So this is uh, mm -hmm. when it's a standalone issue. It's, it's a little more problematic for Republicans. Um, Andy, let's move on to this. The, the transgender bills that we had mentioned. Amy Schneider, a very well-known Jeopardy champion, testified um, against the bill to ban gender affirming care. Um, these are very much in the, the culture war bucket that you mentioned. They are not... Um, they're not fiscal issues. They are not really um, things that affect a, a, a large swath of society. They, they tend to be the culture war kind of stuff. Um, what, what is happening with these two bills? So the one that seems to be gaining a little bit more traction right now is the ban on, on gender affirming care on minors. And that's the one that Amy Schneider was here to testify against. And right now, that bill is expected to receive yet another committee hearing. More than, nearly 300 people have signed up to testify against the bill, either in person or in written testimony. This is something that's drawing a lot of <clears throat> opposition, at least publicly a lot of opposition to this bill. And a lot of the opponents describe it as government overreach. So the latest change to the bill actually allows minors to receive that care, but then they have to receive two years of counseling, of mental health therapy first before they can do so. Opponents of the bill say that that's arbitrary, that there's no proof to say that two years is the magic number of counseling before uh, gender affirming care needs to take place. So that seems to be something that is still on track to possibly pass when you consider that it would have to go through a house committee and the full house and then over to the Senate side, it is what could be considered a long shot of, of becoming a bill by the end of the year, becoming a law by the end of the year. How about this? Some, some talk, Andy, of um, especially after the Steve mentioned the abortion questions, abortion rights success of questions in states like Kentucky and Montana and Kansas. We know that question likely will become before Ohio voters at some point. 
I've heard talk of lawmakers trying to make it harder to get on the ballot. What have yep. you heard about that? Well, we got to stand by for that. Like, as as you always say at the beginning of this podcast, this is recorded at a certain time. Yeah. We're also recording this right before Secretary of State Frank LaRose is preparing an announcement when it comes to constitutional amendments on the ballot. We don't yet know what that looks like. There has been talk in the past about raising the threshold for the number of signatures that citizens need to collect before putting an issue on the ballot. And there has been talk about changing the re requirements of what kind of vote is would qualify as a majority vote for a ballot issue to pass. Right now it's a simple majority, but there's been talk about making it a two-thirds majority. So the, it, it, what, what we're really seeing here is there seems to be a growing concern, a growing frustration among citizens who do not agree with <clears throat> Republicans, whether that's progressive voters or Democratic voters. And those people tend to see their only option being a citizens initiated initiated ballot issue and so to now see republicans suggest making it harder to get to the ballot is causing a lot of concern and causing a lot of anger so they would not need to change the constitution for these law changes or is that unclear it depends on what the, exactly they're suggesting. I think if they're changing what vote is required to pass a constitutional amendment, that would have to be a constitutional amendment in order to change it. So, <laughs> yeah. and and I think if they were going to change that, it would take a simple majority vote to make it a two-thirds majority vote going forward, Look, which is sort of ironic. Andy, my favorite story ever on this topic what happened in Florida just before I got there. They always said that it was too easy to pass constitutional amendments there, so they increased it from 50 to a 60% threshold, but the amendment to do that passed by 54%. <laughs> yeah, and that's what that's what we could <laughs> yeah, possibly be looking at here, yeah. if, if that's what's being proposed. Uh, Andy, you know, all it lost in, in a lot of this is that the Ohio House is getting a new speaker. They have chosen the next speaker of the House. Uh, tell us uh, about, about who that will be. Yeah, so the, the race for Speaker of House was pretty interesting. There were really three candidates running, Jason Stevens, Phil Plummer, and then Derek Marin. There were some who thought that Marin was sort of the the underdog in that race. Uh, according to the people I was talking to, you know, it's it's nearly impossible to really understand or get a good idea of who might win these speaker races. But the people I was talking to said that they were impressed with Derek Marin. They think that he's, he's young, he's a dynamic character, uh, somebody who will be able to get things done. And he's considered pretty pretty conservative he would fall into the further right category uh, for, to some people and he's somebody who really pushed for uh, abortion bans and he kind of made his name known for those types of controversial pieces of legislation and now he's the next speaker of the house yeah he's chair of the ways and means committee now so he's got some political capital there at the a, state big, house. a big departure from bob cup you know it, it remains to be seen. Sometimes you tend to see somebody act one way as a legislator, as a legislator, and then they sort of take on maybe more of a pragmatic diplomatic role when they do become a leader. And so it, it it's hard to guess what kind of leader Derek Marin will be at this point. Uh, Bob Cub was definitely an interesting character because you never really thought of him as someone who was going to you know, heard all these different Republican leaders, but he had a very thin line to walk a lot of the times having to deal with all sorts of different characters within his own Republican caucus. 
It'll be interesting to watch. Whole new ball game. Well, we're going to finish this ball game in the last mm-hmm. couple of innings here during the lame duck session. And then come January, we start fresh again, Andy, right? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> All over again. Statehouse correspondent Andy Chow helping us get our heads around the very busy lame duck session. Andy, thanks for joining Snolly Goster. Thank you. We'll be right back. WOSU Public Media Podcasts are made possible thanks to listener support. All of our digital content, such as Snolly Goster and the All Sides of the Ann Fisher podcast, depend on the generosity of listeners like you. You can give at WOSU.org or through the WOSU mobile app. And thanks. Welcome back to Snolly Goster from WOSU Public Media. Time now for our Snolly Goster of the Week segment, where we honor the shrewdest politician or political move of the past week. This week, it goes to Republican leaders who returned after the midterms, which saw three Democrats defeat conservative members of the Ohio State Board of Education. That means Democrats now have seven members on the 19-member board. Coincidentally, Republican lawmakers introduced a bill that would eliminate most of the school board's powers and give them to a member of the governor's administration. Republican lawmakers have for years tried to curtail the power of the Board of Education and give those powers to the governor's office. John Kasich tried it several years ago, so this is really nothing new. But after all those state school board controversies over race and now transgender rights and the loss of three elected seats... It is pretty shrewd of Republican lawmakers to try to quickly pass a bill in the lame duck session that would basically gut the remaining powers of the board. Very shrewd, so they get our snolligoster of the week. (laughs) All you can do is laugh. Anyway, if you have a suggestion for next week, you can send it to us at snolligoster at WOSU.org. And as always, be sure to leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Until next week, for our student producer, Katie Genius, our audio producer, Eric French, and our web producer, Michael DeBonis, I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson for Snollygoster from WOSU Public Media.